Christine Baranski between The Good Wife and The Good Fight. You've now been playing Diane Lockhart for 10, ten years. I'll How... be going on the 11th year because we've been picked up. Oh, you just heard that. Oh, and that congratulations. Thank you. What, how has she changed for you from the first time you read her to now? Well, as written, Diane was the, the grown-up in the room, the grown-up lady, um, fierce moral center, liberal feminist, but um, level-headed, um, you know, playing off of Will Gardner, Josh Charles, he was the more volatile of the two of us. And, you know, you, you always had the sense that she was the sane one, that it mattered greatly that she would be the moral authority. And um, I think it's wonderful that this character's been on for as long as she has, because the audience came to expect that of Diane. There was a, there was a, a, a comfort level in Diane being Diane. Uh, Well-dressed, authoritative, you know, elegant. She had her difficulties, she faced crises, but there was always a gracefulness about her own um, a dignity. So the good wife ends and we want to continue the character and we want and the kings want to continue writing something. I, we, we didn't know what. Uh, I didn't have a script when I said look let's work together. I had another offer but I said look I'd rather work with you so I'll wait for a script. So we waited and so suddenly we're doing a um, pilot script about Diane and we introduce her as the, suddenly she's the lead character and we see this dignified woman in the conference room telling her fellow you know, law partners, well, I'm retiring because there are no more glass ceilings to break mm -hmm. and I'm going to the south of France. And <laughs> this was before the election, obviously. Um, while we were filming the pilot, uh, it was election night on, on the, uh, a night that I was filming with Delroy Lindo and um, the world kind of changed and um, Diane's um, plot line which was to be that of a woman in the pilot who lost all her money who had to start again professionally that was the big thrust of her dramatic um, life was that she was going to have to claw her way back having lost that which defined her which was her professional life her her, her money, her dignity, her reputation. She lost all that because of this Ponzi scheme. Well, that was supposed to be the central thing that she has to, you know, then she gets work at an African-American firm. And that was gonna be the series. Well, lo and behold, we have a different president and the leading lady of the show is for, has been for 10 years. No, when we started, it was, I was eight years in. Um, that was my eighth year of playing Diane but was written as a liberal feminist. Mm -hmm. So now the leading lady of, of, of the good fight is a woman living in the age of Donald Trump. So to the King's credit, they, they caught that ball and decided to run with it and write, what is it like for a woman, Diane Lockhart, to be living in the age of Donald Trump. And uh, rather than make it just sort of background noise, it's, it's, she can't get away from it. Diane can't stop watching cable news. Diane's going a little crazy, as a lot of women are going crazy. And, and we, it's been very fertile ground for, for the writing and acting, particularly of the Diane character, that uh, 
she's going a little nuts. And last year she was microdosing and mouthing off in the, in the, you know, losing her cool, packing heat, sleeping with bartenders. Uh, <laughs> and it's great to have played a character for all those years who has been the grown up and the dignified one. When you see that, when, when mommy loses it, it's pretty scary, right? That's what this is. You see, you know, the, the, the audience has been used to this dignified woman with a very strong moral center lo losing it. And in season three, which we have just completed filming, she goes over to the dark side. She decides she's gonna fight the good fight dirty. Mm. And by the end of the season, which of course I can't reveal, it's, it has its consequences. So because we're writing Diane and because we're writing all of the characters living in the age of Trump, so I'm, I think the show goes to some very sensitive issues and discusses it and dramatizes life in the age of Me Too and, and racial how do we talk to each other as black and white, man and woman? How do we talk across political differences? I mean, um, the season begins with Diane in bed with her sexy Republican husband. And she's saying, I'm happy in her, you know, in her burgundy satin negligee. And after she says, I'm happy, you can imagine where, where a show goes after a Kelly character says, I'm happy. Um, things uh, get really complicated as she realizes that her husband is working for the people she abhors. And it's, to me, it's what happens when what is out in the world that is dangerous, that is perceived as malevolent or unacceptable, politically outrageous, what, what happens when that comes into your bedroom? What happens when that permeates your personal life, your, your marriage? the workplace we've seen you know that's what season three has really been about we were just talking about the scene where she finds out that the husband isn't cheating with a woman he's cheating with <laughs> trump's children which is even worse it's so funny and you you bang your head against the wall i know, I know. Uh, do you do you guys ever wonder i guess this is more a question for the kings but do you wonder about offending fans who may be trump supporters I wouldn't say we worry about it. These are fictional characters. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I'm always saying to the press, look, Diane may be a liberal feminist. That doesn't mean that the show is some kind of liberal left-wing platform. Right. You know, it looks at all sides and it makes just as much fun of people with liberal sensibilities as, as right-wing sensibilities. We're all human and we're all foibled. And, you will see by the end of this season how things can turn around and get very complicated if you adhere too strictly to your own way of thinking. Um, are we gonna offend people? Yes, that's what art does. That's what good writing and acting and that's what we're meant to do is look at life and have people react. So I'm happy if, if the show causes people to react as long as they don't react violently, as long as it becomes part of a conversation, then that's great. One of my favorite actors is Michael Sheen. Oh. What kind of new dynamic has he brought to the show from an act, from your standpoint as an actor, but also as a character? Well, he's a consummate actor, let me just say that, and um, a delightful human being. Just, you know, he's a Welshman, but impeccable manners, impeccable um, professional sense. And uh, he just plays such a, a big, 
character, larger than life, Mephistopheles literally enters the building. You know, he has no moral compass whatsoever. And he, you know, they wanted a Roy Cohen type character. And when the Kings told me this summer that they wanted to cast an actor to be that larger than life, he was the first actor I said, why don't we try and get Michael Sheen? And he does a great job and he, and he upends everything because in the courtroom, it's like, like the truth doesn't matter. Winning over the jury, tell them, tell them whatever you want as long as it's a captivating story. It's smoke and mirrors and you know, that, I'm afraid that that's what we're seeing in our politics is you just say something as long enough and hard enough and with enough panache, maybe somehow it becomes the truth and can convince people it's the truth. So he's a great character to introduce at this present moment. As viewers, we can see some of the differences between being on CBS and being on All Access, like with the, the cursing and the no <laughs> commercials, which is a really good one. But how is it different from your perspective as an actress? Is there any big differences at all? Well, you know, everybody says you can finally curse. Well, I would say, yes, it's liberating. Often I do, especially since Diane's been so pissed off for the last two seasons. Every so often I let go with the F word and, and it's an ad lib and they love it and we keep it. But it's really not about, you know, dropping F bombs. Uh, I, I just think it feels, it feels like we can be, it can take longer to do an episode. It can be more unabashed, it can be darker. Uh, I, I think there are just network restrictions time-wise and in terms of what may or may not, let's face it, you know, it's, Network television is corporate and you cannot, there are things you can't do. And so those constraints are often, we are writing a very edgy show in which even though they're fictional characters, that the characters out in the world are Donald Trump and his family and whoever else is out there that we're reacting off of. You are a great musical performer. We've seen you uh, do that on stage and movies I'm and so forth. I'm about to do something else, but I, it, it hasn't been formally announced, but trust me, I'll be singing in the future. Well, on Good Fight, you've got Audra McDonald. In the past, you've uh, in this universe, you've got Nathan Lane and oh, Alan Cumming. Okay. What would a Good Fight musical episode look like? Well, we often joke that Diane should, because I've worked with Stephen Sondheim so many times, Diane should have a dream sequence in which she is, you know, in a black sequin dress singing Sondheim with all of her fabulous friends, and they would include all the great actors we have had on the show. We've had, I mean, we've had Kristen Chenoweth, Laura Benanti, John Cameron, Cameron Mitchell, you know, Hedwig and the Angry Ish. She was just on recently. We've had such brilliant, to say nothing of Alan and Audra. I mean, she's the uber. <laughs> you know, one more Tonys than anybody. So she and I do sing a little Prince this season. Mm. Yeah, we sing Raspberry Beret together. But we try not to let it rip too much because then we would be out of character. We'd be singing at a benefit instead. <laughs> uh, at the Emmys, you were nominated for this character six times for The Good Wife. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> if you get nominated now as a lead actress, what would that mean to you? And do you have an episode picked out? Because if you get nominated, you have to submit one to the That's judges. always hard to me. I, I have to say, I take issue with just finding one because I would like to think if you are honored to, to with a nomination that it should be the, the work of an entire season because right. there's so much that goes on in the course of an entire season. Okay, so you pick one. But it would mean a great deal to me because 
most of my career has been on the stage. Most of my character work has been comedic. Diane came along because after doing nine months of a Broadway farce with Mark Rylance, I said to my manager, you know what would be really good for me as an actress is to play like a dramatic character on a TV show. Someone with authority who's, you know, well-spoken, a professional woman. That would be a great character. That would be a great career move. And lo and behold, um, my, my um, manager said, funny, there's this one pilot that's really good this season called The Good, the good Wife. And so here I am 10 years later. And I think it's been a gift as an actor to go from a career that was so, well, first of all, stage and so much comedy to then the longest period of time I've worked as an actor playing one character has been in a drama rather than in a comedy. Because I could easily have been Leonard's mother for 12 years every week doing the Big Bang Theory. And that wouldn't have stretched me as much as, uh, or um, enriched me as much as an actress. So to get a nomination, particularly in a lead role, that would, be, you know, that in and of itself would be quite wonderful. <laughs> I had a couple of Broadway-related questions for oh, you. Oh, Broadway, we're right the, good. We're right in the middle of uh, the big part of the season with, with Tony Award nominations coming right. up. What are two or three things you saw on Broadway over your lifetime that just blew you away? Oh, God. Anything that Maggie Smith did always. You know, I would just... Um, that's such an interesting question. I remember seeing Anthony Hopkins in Equus. I saw, but believe it or not, I saw Jason Robards and Colleen Dewhurst in Moon for the Misbegotten. Um, when I, I saw Elaine Stritch do Company, I saw some of those great Sondheim musicals back in the 70s when I had no money and had to stand in the balcony or get seats all the way up in the balcony to see shows. Um, I actually was there because I stood for three hours to get a ticket for a chorus line. I saw opening night of a chorus line and would you believe it I was so high up that I couldn't see the mirrors. I couldn't see the mirrors. That's the whole thing about the show is the, <laughs> the mirrors. Um, no I've seen great perform. I mean I was always an actor at, at, you know studying at Juilliard what I wanted was to be a great stage actress. It was, I never had it in my head to be a film or TV actor. I didn't think I had the face for it. It, it was Hollywood was someplace that, that was for movie stars. I didn't dream of a TV career. I just wanted to be on the stage. And it served me well because actually now I'm, I've been playing the same character for 10 years and, and it's my stage work that has really given me the discipline and the craft to, to do what I do, even on film or TV. Are there a couple of uh, either plays or musicals this past season that you saw that you really enjoyed? Um, my God, you know, I saw The Ferryman, which I thought was extraordinary. I mean, the, there's so much great ensemble acting in uh, these days. And uh, gosh, what else have I seen? I'm blanking, forgive me. Um, Would you like to see them add, say, a, an ensemble award as opposed to just the lead and you feature? You know, that's a very good point because they do that with the SAG Awards. Right. And I think it's a wonderful idea. First of all, I have I take issue with actors having to compete with each other because I think, okay, well, if we were all playing the same role, then maybe you could say that person or this actor or this actress played that role better for such and such reasons. But when 
the roles are so disparate. How do you compare? And I know we live in an age when we, we like award shows and they're good for business. But in terms of the Tonys, I think that would be a wonderful idea because you need your fellow actors. And what's when I did Boeing, Boeing, uh, that's a, a farce. Boy, do you need your fellow actors. A door doesn't open or a cue gets missed and the whole thing derails. You know, we need each other. And, and I'm, I'm sorry when, it, when we have to compete with each other. You won one of the first, it might have been the first SAG film ensemble, the first time yes. they offered the birdcage. The birdcage, and we so weren't expecting it. We were all had a little too much to drink, and it was like, <laughs> who's gonna speak? Oh my God, Nathan, Nathan, speak. <laughs> now it's, I'm afraid it's all taken very seriously, very seriously. But, you know, listen, I won an Emmy for Sybil, and it was after only 13 episodes. Um, there was nothing, I didn't talk about the character, you know, not, there was no sense that one had to get out there and talk too much about the work uh, in, in the way that you do now. So it, it was just nice. My first Tony, it just like, boom. My first time I was nominated, I won. And the first time I was nominated for an Emmy, I won. So I feel like no matter what happens, I've already, you know, I've got one and I've got another and it's, it's great. <laughs> well, we just wanted to say congrats on, to everyone for season four, the pickup. That's huge news. It is wonderful. It is. It will be wonderful to see where the kings take this because we're still living in a crazy age. <laughs> is there anything that you you're still hoping Diane that Diane hasn't done that she will do in season four? You know, somebody asked uh, that question of us at a panel the other night, and and I didn't offer an answer because I couldn't think of one, but. I think Diane needs to have her Atticus Finch moment in court. I think oh, yeah. she has to have, she has to argue a case that is so, that brings the best of who she is, her, her greatest moment of eloquence and passion. I would love to see that because court is a kind of theater, you know, it's, it's like playing, playing an audience. And uh, I would love to see Diane just hit it out of the park with some case that deserves to be won. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Chris.